0: Hey y'all, what's going on? This week I headed down to Kentucky Um, I was down there doing a camp and uh, I recorded with one of my favorite people and one of my most respected mentors uh, Robert Irvin I know he may not be a big name um, to the average wrestling fan but there's a lot of people in the wrestling community who know who Robert is Um, He kind of helped build Union County, Kentucky to be a uh, perennial powerhouse um, down in Kentucky. Uh, They've won multiple state titles. Um, He's won multiple Coach of the Year awards down there. Uh, He's just a good dude. Really good guy. Um, So it was really nice to sit down and talk to him and I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. Um, I tried something a little different this week. We are going with no ads and we have released the podcast onto all platforms where you find podcasts. So you should be able to download it through iTunes um, or wherever you get podcasts. Uh, Let us know if you can't find it where you normally get any of your podcasts and we'll try to get it there. But along with that, we've also added through the platform where we uh, distribute our podcast is a support button. So this allows us to see, we're gonna do a little experiment the next couple of weeks and try to do no ads and see if we can get some support from people to where we could permanently do away with ads and you guys could listen to it without interruption. So let me know if that's something that you like, and if you do like it, hit that support button and sign up. You can do I think like 99 cents, 499, 999, whatever you think is gonna help support us, whatever. Robert Irvin. Hey! Good morning, Robert. Hey, Marcus. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Good. So it's 6.30 in, in the morning is when I got over. It's about 6.40 now. A.M. we're getting ready to cook breakfast for the campers. Doing a uh, fall preseason tune-up down here in Union County, Kentucky. Um, This has been your home for forever. Forever. Tell me about that. Oh, just, uh... Not in an interview form, like story form. Yeah, just, we,
1: I grew up here, uh, out here in the country. There's 16,000 people in our whole county, and, uh, and... I think that's a generous estimate. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, it's generous, and, uh... We were raised i uh, had there were six of us, you know kids, and raised out in the country and just uh you know my dad and mom, they uh farmed and did a little bit of everything, had a little grocery store out here in the country and and didn't go to town much, and we just uh ran around out, out here.
0: it seems like what all your kids do as well yes <laughs> so um A lot of people may not know who you are nationally when when I'm trying to put out this podcast, but I know a lot of people that do know who you are, Mm -hmm. and um, I wanted to have you on because to me, uh, you're one of the main mentors for me, Uh, one of the guys that I've learned the most from about coaching. I appreciate it. Not only coaching, but bringing up kids, um, because you got seven, so... You've got a lot of chances to practice and mess it up. So yeah, <laughs> figure out listen to somebody that's it. done it a lot. Yeah, and, uh, but you know it means a lot to me of all the all the uh, all the knowledge that you've passed on to me, and um, I definitely wouldn't be where I am or who I am today without spending my time down here with you. You know, living down in Union County here for five years. Uh, I got married in your brother Tim's backyard. We had the reception in your backyard, and uh, the hospitality and the family feel that was shown to me was unbelievable and uh I just think that you're a pretty awesome guy and so I wanted to have you on and I think that you not only from a leadership and a serious standpoint but you got some pretty funny good stories too.
1: I uh, appreciate it. You know you've the impact you had on the kids here in our county and in the time you were here we hated to see you go. I understood why you you know wanted to move on, but uh you know the time you were here you made a big impact on the kids that you uh, coached and
0: well, I appreciate it. We appreciate everything you done for us. Well, let's let's talk about some stories then. There's a couple of them that I had in mind. The easiest one to start with is so you recently pulled up with a knee injury.
1: Oh yeah. I don't want to tell that one. That's uh that's not a good one to tell, but I was uh, it was on my birthday last Sunday and and uh, you hear about People picking the low hanging fruit, and my brother did that. He, I went to get some pears, and he got all the low hanging fruit, so there wasn't any fruit left. Yep, but the, the pears up high, and so I thought it was a good idea to, instead of getting a ladder, I got my truck up beside, and I climbed on top of my truck, and thought I could put one foot on top of my uh, truck, and then the other one on top of the door, and that didn't work very good because, the, when the door fl- flung open, I did the splits and. Yeah, I came and uh, tore up my MCL, so I hadn't been much help this camp.
0: Uh, well, you do a lot of that. You do more than your share, so it's not, <laughs> not a big deal. Um, yeah, so, so Union County, you know, is kind of uh, out here in the middle of nowhere, so to speak. Not really, but kind of. Um, it's actually really, really, uh, it's located in a pretty cool spot because there's a lot, of, a lot of nice bigger cities that you guys can go to that are kind of not that much difference in, in, in distance from each other. Um, you know, down to Atlanta, over to Louisville, up to St. Louis, down mm-hmm. to Nashville, you know, none of those are crazy far. It's a pretty cool location, but it's out here remote. Keep to yourself. And, but, you know, maybe talk a little bit, What? Uh, how did you guys like build this program? Because it's not, it's not what you would normally think. You know, there's only probably a handful of, of Really, really good teams that are consistently good across the country that come from remote, you know, r- you know, rural areas that uh, you don't have an urban center and you don't have some of the resources available that some of the bigger schools and cities have. So,
1: I think well, a couple things. We had a me and my brothers. We had. Out of my mom and dad had 23 grandkids and 18 of them were boys, so that, that helped out, out a lot. <laughs> having all those boys, because yeah. they they didn't have any uh, other thing to do but wrestle. It's and, a lot easier uh, to train kids when they live with you. Yeah, that's right. So that helped out a lot. And then uh, probably uh, the biggest thing for me, you know, my brothers and I, we do construction work. You know, that's what we did. For our uh, occupation, and so when my boys started uh, getting into wrestling, and I was asked to help with the high school program, I uh, I got back had been out of wrestling since college and hadn't been around it much. How Um, many years had that been? Um, Probably uh, almost uh, eighteen years. Been a long time. Quite well, eighty six to almost two thousand and two. So been a while. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, we, uh, I got back and I started seeing kids, you know, things that my coach taught me not to do, they were doing, mm-hmm. and I was going, man, I got a lot to learn, so what I did is uh, I went and found, I started looking around for best teams, you know, and and a lot of them were guys that I had wrestled with in uh, back when I was in high school and college at the Olympic 200 camps and stuff like that, so... I, I had uh, Jeff Jordan up at St. Paris Graham. I got in touch with him. I started going to his camps. Uh, Mike Haggerty, Gary Mayhav, you know, guys like that. I started, you know, calling and you know, going out and practicing with them. and yeah. Just trying to learn the, this new style of wrestling that they had. Right. And uh, so, anyways, I started doing that. And as I got more, you know, at first I started to just try to help my kids. And then. Once I got coaching a high school t- team, I started trying to learn how to just uh, build a program, and I didn't know. So, I always I was smart enough to know to go find the best ones. So that's what I did. Right. And then, and I think that's the biggest thing that helped us was you know I, I learned how to network really well. Yeah. And, and I know I, there's a lot I don't know, and so I I go out and talk. To, I still do it. I've been coaching for 16 years, and I still have a lot of young, you know, these young. But guys that are coming into coaching, they got a lot of fire and a passion, and and they bring a lot of different things. So i I
0: got a lot of young friends that I talk to. That's something that I've always been a little bit envious of is that um, your ability to kind of put your ego aside and and try to make friends with people that you know can help you. And um, not that I don't think that I make friends. I think I make a lot of friends. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that that, – I don't know. I don't want to make it sound like ulterior motives because that's not, that's not the right phrasing. But, uh, you know, you're always looking to meet people that can add value to the kids that you're trying to work with and help. And that's, you know, sometimes I think we get caught in that kind of like do it myself mentality. Yeah. Like, I don't need anybody's help. And, and don't of,
1: want to share. Don't yeah. Want, don't, don't want anybody to know our secrets. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I'm not that way at all. I think, uh, you know, the biggest reason I think when I first started, I was wanted my boys to have success. And then as I got in and I saw the the impact that it had on these young kids in our uh, county that you know, didn't have a lot of opportunity, and you know, that's my mindset changed. And it it wasn't about as much about success as it was about seeing these
0: guys achieve great things from a little bit small area. Right, and. That was one thing I was going to ask you about, too, is what, like, you know, I think sometimes it changes, and I think it probably changed for you over maybe that shoot. So you said 2002 is when you got back and started coaching? Yeah, 2002 is when I started helping. Yeah, okay, so you got back in it now for, what, 16 years now? So over those 16 years, I'm sure that many times – that the focus has maybe changed. Like, w- would you say that or no? Uh, yeah. As far as what you thought was the most important things to be focusing on. And then kind of, as you progress and wise, I know for me it's been like, man, I was looking at the wrong things all the time. Like, mm-hmm. the whole time. I didn't realize it. And then slowly, um, I'd say similar to wrestling, is like the, ch- the changes that you make, the, the further on that you go, it seems like the less... Uh, noticeable they would be from the outside Mm -hmm. but the biggest impacts they make you know the smallest adjustments make the biggest impact when you talk about like high level wrestling in college most of the guys pretty much know all the same stuff so it's it's to the intangibles of who's going to hit it the quickest who's going to mindset's going to be ready who's going to be in the best shape you know Mm -hmm. all those things come into play and the tiniest things can change that match and when you're younger it's a pretty big discrepancy between what you know and what you don't know and that is usually the difference in the matches one kid knows way more than the other. Yeah. And I feel like the same way in coaching is the further you go and the better you get at it, the more the small things matter. And early on I know that I was focused way on the wrong things, you know, on what to improve. So
1: I used to come in and you know, we'd have three or four hour practices. I'd try to show every move that I knew and I could you know, I would look and the kids would be in zombie state, and I'd go off on them for not paying attention. So as I got older, I got a little bit smarter that that was diminishing returns and wasn't working very well. Um, I, I think the biggest things that stick out to me that, that I really noticed the different impacts were um, I learned one from Jeff Jordan. He, uh, he said, at every practice, say uh, each kid's name, have your coaches say mm-hmm. each kid's name positive one time. Yeah. call him by the first name, and I, he said, "I don't care if they have the worst practice ever. Say it positive one, one time, and that uh, that was a huge uh, thing for our team building. Mm-hmm. You know, even the kids that were maybe just trying it out. You know, say you had four head co- or four coaches in the room, and they were calling him, yelling his name one time positive in practice you know, five, four or five times. And right. somebody said, great job, Billy.'
0: Right, and."
1: Uh, Made them feel like they somebody cared about them. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot, you know. few kids on our team you know, come from single parents, so it's great to have a male figures you know, say you know, caring about them. So, anyways, I think that was a a big thing, and I really liked how Jeff every practice. You know, everybody shakes everybody's hands. You know, it doesn't matter how bloody it got in practice. Yep. So that was really a great thing, and then I uh, learned from uh, Mike Haggerty. Mike Haggerty and Gary may have uh, importance of setting goals. So we do that in the spring and in mm-hmm. early fall. And I think uh, the kids that uh, that were kind of on the fence, you know, as far as whether how great they wanted to be when we start setting those goals and they knew what they were training for, they their practices got so much better. So setting goals were a huge thing. Probably the... Uh, Another thing, we started having success, you know, the greatest thing, man, I thought was winning that state championship. Yeah. We started doing that, and I said, okay, we want guys winning national titles in place, and we started doing that. And it's weird, you know, we started having so much success that everybody expected it. Yeah. And then we got second one year, and 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 we had graduated seven seniors the year before. Came home, and I told the guys, I said, what's going to happen? They're not going to say, great job, man. we you know, almost winning the state tournament, they were going to say, what happened? And that's what, you know, that's what did happen. Yeah. And, you know, the kids were uh, bummed out. And, and uh, I said, we've got it. it's got to be more than winning. So what we started doing, we started doing uh, just trying to work more on character and team, you know, building uh, families and stuff like that. And I think that's when our program really right. changed. Yeah. And uh, really grew into something special.
0: Sure. What's up, Coach? How's it going? Come on in, Mike. So, um, you know, go get you some coffee, or juice, or that's what that's what we've really built, you know, my academy around is that idea of the character first, Um, Mm -hmm. because everything tends to follow suit. If you can teach kids how to be good people, take care of each other, work hard, be disciplined. The wrestling is the easy part. I feel like, um, yeah. And to me, um, I think that we sometimes lose sight of what, like why we are doing this, and anyway. you know, like, what, what is this wrestling for? Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday. I said about I think that we have a lot of young guys getting back into coaching, and particularly youth now with the emergence mm-hmm. of clubs like mine. And I think that something that, that you see happening is these guys, uh, Actually, you know, yeah. they might work their whole lives to get a national title, go to Division One school, and maybe fall short, all American a couple times, mm-hmm. and all American once, and, and most people would consider that a pretty successful career. Is like if you could do that, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. But in their vision, just like you were saying, once the expectations are raised and raised and raised, I think that once they get there, there's like a letdown I mean, after you're done well, I'm not quite good enough probably to go get international and make a world team. Yeah. Um, I don't have maybe much freestyle experience. Or maybe they do, and maybe that doesn't work out or however it goes. But I think that you, you have that moment of like, oh, what do I do now? Like, and then you have that kind of, sometimes it takes a little longer, but you have that kind of epiphany of, oh, man, all this wasn't just about wrestling. Because this, this is over. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in my 20s right now, and I'm yeah. done. Like I don't, I don't get to do it no more. So, like, what was this all for? And then you start to think, well, it was for, it was, it was a way to learn how to work, how to be sacrificed, how to set your eyes on something and get to work and just go after it and get it done. And um, and I think that when we lose sight of that and we make it more important about winning a. Youth state title or winning a high school state title, and we lose sight of the big picture. I think that that's when things tend to go south quickly uh, with a program and with, with a kid, kid's career and trajectory. But that's a tough thing to, to
1: teach. You know, I, with kids, and I'm the same way with my kids. If I preach at them too much about this and that, they they shut down. They won't listen. Mm-hmm. You know, they get tired of hearing it. So yeah. you got to. when coaching, what I've learned is you got to mix it a little bit. You got to mm-hmm. got to have a lot of fun and. And right. uh, you got to train hard, but then mix you know mix that in with it, and, sure.
0: and hopefully some of it takes, some
1: of it doesn't.
0: Yeah, and I think that you said I think that's interesting because you said that they kind of shut down and don't. But I think that sometimes we think that they're shutting down. Oh yeah. But you, they've heard it so much they roll their eyes. But they, their reactions are, and and their actions and their choices are based off of what they've been hearing twenty thousand times over the last ten years, fifteen mm-hmm. years. So sometimes I think we might think that they're, uh, I'm tired of hearing that. <laughs> but they're tired of hearing because they already know it yeah. in, in them, in, down inside of them, not just when you ask them a question, they can answer it. Mm. But they make the choices that follow that. And uh, that's, I don't know, that, and that, then, then you get into blurring the lines between talking about coaching and bringing up training wrestlers and being a parent. And, and you know, that's, that's what I think is interesting too is that you're coming through um, through, it's coming through multiple channels your point of view it's not just the hundreds of kids that you've coached over the last 16 years but your own uh, six boys that you got you know in your house yeah and I know we said you had seven kids a lot of people probably don't know that six of them are boys so yeah that's pretty handy it is handy And and you got the two youngest are in high school right now right yeah, Micah and Matthias, and
1: one of them's uh, going to be our 220 pounder this year, and one will be probably 170. They're my twins. So, how, how did they finish last year? I had one that uh,
0: was state champ, and one was runner up as sophomores, good. yeah. That's pretty good, as sophomores. And um, so, your, uh, your other four boys, I guess, three of them wrestled all the way through high school and uh, into college, mm-hmm. and all three of them won. Multiple state, or at least one state title. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then all went on to wrestling college. Yes. And uh, the one that didn't pursue wrestling is in college pursuing art, and he's pretty dang good at that. Pretty awesome. And, and he's uh, real good at music. And yes. Yeah, I walked in yesterday on him playing the piano, and I, I uh, started talking to Laura, your wife, about. Uh, Something because I thought that there was just a radio playing, and I rounded the corner and I saw him playing the piano, and it caught me off guard because it's not something you're used to seeing people sitting around playing the piano. And it I enjoyed listening to it. Um, he's good at that, but but to get back to the you know I think that's that's what's interesting when I like talking about you because it's it's two roles that I have. You know, I just my daughter's gonna be a year in a couple weeks, and and I know that won't be the last one we have. You know. Barring anything crazy happening, <laughs> the, the plans are anyway. So, uh, you know, I like I love being around you and learning that kind of stuff and seeing your point of view and how you you work with your kids because I think you do a great job of you know, especially nowadays it, it tends to be kind of easier to want to try to be friends with your kids and and uh, and I think that that has to you know you got to have that happy medium. You got to be close with them where they feel like they can open up to you and talk to you, but they also got to know that. If it gets real, you're going to put your foot down. Oh, yeah, I, I, we had a little bit of that yesterday.
1: I had uh, one of my boys. I didn't think he gave a good effort in practice. and We were riding home, and I was growling at him a little bit. And he didn't like hearing it. And I said, hey, man, I got your back, and I love you, but I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, tell you what I
0: think. Yeah. Was that Mike that I got in trouble? Huh? That I got in trouble with No, it's was,
1: it was Matthias. He wasn't feeling well, but still. Right.
0: I I know you hollered at Micah yesterday, and I was talking to him. I felt bad because I got him in trouble. I didn't mean to get in there. Yeah. You know how I get sometimes when yeah. I get to talk, I and mean, we were we were getting pretty in depth about some wrestling stuff, and yeah. we were just, and, and the thing is, and, and you know that as well. And it's just hard, you were running around coaching everybody else. I'm not trying to get at you or nothing, but uh, he you know when I when I you can see a look in a kid's eyes when you're talking, and you go like. I got him right now. Like, I got to keep going. Like, I can't let this... I can't stop right now because he's like completely enthralled with what I'm talking about and I got to keep going. And that's kind of what happened when we just got talking about philosophies of wrestling and this mindset and how he needs to look at certain things and how he looks at him now versus how he could look at them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I think I was blowing his mind a little bit about this stuff and, and he seemed to just be like really receptive at that point. And I was like, I got to give him as much as I can right now because he's yeah. taking it. So... Um... Yeah, so we got day two of camp today. We're gonna get after it. We got a bunch about what do we say about sixty kids? You think? No, I think
1: uh, we fed ninety people, so there's probably about eighty kids here. It's pretty good. little turnout
0: yeah. for the preseason camp, and we, you guys, put on the summer camp. It's uh, a bigger deal. Yeah, Thank we
1: you. have over uh, two hundred kids. We had uh, teams from Pennsylvania, Ohio, everywhere. We had a really nice camp last year. We try to bring. Uh, I think we have around. Ten clinicians uh, that come in from uh, Division One NAIA levels and.
0: and we'll plug this in. So, what's a give me give me like a who's who of the last maybe like three years clinicians that have come in. Oh,
1: well, we've had Bo Jordan. Uh, let's see, JoJo, uh, Joe Smith. Um, we've had AJ Shop. We've had uh, Jeremy Hunter. We had Isaiah Martinez, Brian Medlin. Marcus Hayne uh, Isaac Jordan Isaac Jordan saying um, yeah. Richard's been here multiple times it's funny our campers uh, we have great fishing I mean and so the best way I can get these clinicians to want to come back at a pretty reasonable rate is we take them fishing and if I can get them to catch two or three great big bass, then they beg me to come back so that's that's a pretty good
0: selling to. So you gotta get Tim on maintaining those weights over and make sure they're catching them still. As long as they're catching big bass. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, they'll keep coming back. Yeah. Oh, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I can't believe how many people I've, I've you know, that I know personally, friends that have come down for camp. And that's all, they don't talk. They, I mean, the wrestling is always like the second thing they mention. It's like, oh, I can't wait to go down there and go fishing again. Yeah. The wrestling was pretty good, pretty dang good too. That was a tough room, man. They had some tough kids down there. Yeah. But the fishing is what I think triggers those pleasure senses, you know, but they realize the value in, in how you know how much they learned and how much they got pushed coming down for camp. So.
1: Yeah, that's another thing with networking, you know, right now, you know, as these teams start winning these, you know, I see the teams that win these national titles, you know, Oak Park had a good run there, and then Washington, Illinois had a nice mm-hmm. team, and like I said, Jeff, and that's another thing we do, is we try to find those really top-level teams, and. And we'll start going, finding them, and hey, what do you got going on? I'll call them on the phone. Yeah. You know, you're training, and, and uh, where you training? Where you got? You got in camps, and we'll start going. And what happens is, you know, make those relationships, and then those guys start coming down to my camp. You know, we had Oak Park. You know, we've, Washington, Illinois, it's been multiple years. Uh, you know, we. we we have that's how we get really really good teams to come down here. I had a group out of Pennsylvania, and we went up yeah. there and went steelhead fishing, and yeah. and uh, we were gonna go we were gonna wrestle with them for a week. And, but the first night, I had uh, one of my boys fell off about an 18 foot cliff, so we they we cut that trip short. He got all jacked up. <laughs> yeah, messed him up bad.
0: Hey, didn't keep him from winning a state title. That's right. <laughs> but that's uh, that's another crazy story. But uh, yeah, what let's uh. What's, what's some good stories you got? I'm trying to think of some of the better ones that uh, we always laugh about um, through the years, but I'll, I'll bring up some interesting things, and I'm sure you'll you'll have some stories about them, but uh, we were talking last night about um, your bees. We didn't know what the status was on your bees right now. But I, I know a couple I, of years I, one, ago you had a bunch of bees, and you were rocking it pretty hard.
1: Yeah, I, I got a good hype going right now. In fact, I, I'll be getting honey out of them this year, so I'm excited about that.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah. How'd you get into that? Like how, Just one day, you're like, I need some bees.
1: I, I get, yeah, I come up with weird stuff all the time. <laughs> I got, I had a, uh, I had a, as many as 100 chickens. I got a mobile chicken coop. So I had a, about 100 chickens and, you know, they were running around uh, in my landscaping, scra- scratching it out in the yard. And every time they had to go to the bathroom, they'd want to run up on my front porch. So my wife went real proud of me when I had that many chickens. So. Anyways, I, we do a lot of things out here.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you got, looks like, I don't know, 20 Hummingbird feeders? Yeah. Are those yours or Laura's? That's uh, both of Is that parts. a team effort? That's team effort. Yeah. Team effort. It, yeah. It's like quite a few. I put up one earlier this summer, and it's awesome to see them coming in like that. But I walked out there the other day, yesterday there wasn't any kids out there it was still and I walked out the door and there had to have been 10 to 15 hummingbirds
1: oh, yeah. Well, they're, they're buzzing heads, around like, yeah. they're heading south now so there's it's hard to count a hummingbird yeah. they're I, gassing they're, up right now yeah they're gassing up but there's uh, we usually have a bunch
0: that, if, I, another thing that blows my mind when I was thinking about it was like how do they how do they find the feeders so easily like you know, and when I say that like I put mine up And within a couple hours, I had a hummingbird at it. Yeah, I'm I'm not
1: sure.
0: There's never been a hummingbird feeder here in the last, how many years? I've never put one up. And then within an hour or two of putting it up, I had one or two coming in. That's pretty amazing. I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What, um, so um, your daughter is your oldest. Yes. And I know back in the day she was into uh, some horse riding stuff. Was that something that uh, you, you got in pretty deep with for a while? Well, I, I,
1: I went to all her shows and did that. Usually me and the boys, we'd go out and play pitch and catch while they'd get the horses ready and we'd yeah. go watch her show and we'd go back outside. Yeah. So, but I enjoyed watching her do
0: it and, and following her around. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and she was your first, so that was uh, kind of her. Oh yeah, my only girl, she so do, yeah. So.
1: so we had a good connection. But she, uh, you know, I raised her hunting and fishing, and she's she's pretty tough. She wanted to wrestle and back then. There wasn't many
0: girls right. wrestling, so I, we didn't let her wrestle. Yeah. Yeah. My sisters did the same thing. My, my older one did for sure. She she got in there and wrestled a little bit. And I think my dad kind of shut that down. When she started liking it, yeah, this is fun. Uh, I think we'll go find you something else. Yeah, but uh, she, she, uh, she got in there and scrapped it up. Um, one of the other things that uh, I was wanting to talk about was, uh, you know, you mentioned a little earlier you guys are in construction business, mm-hmm. and um, and as a person in wrestling, we've talked about a lot of wrestling, and that's really enjoy what I was like learning that from you but another thing that I love learning from you and, and all your and your brothers and all your family and your dad is uh, you know that entrepre- entrepreneurial aspect of what you guys have done and, and built um, and I don't know if you want to talk maybe a little bit about what that was like to build something from the ground up in the in the corporate world not just the wrestling world Coach Shaver's cooking Yeah right over you look right there You can talk to him yeah. we don't have Go to do this formal in any way yeah. It's smelling pretty good, and I don't know how much longer we're going to record because yeah. I'm going to have to shut this down and eat some breakfast because yeah. he's cooking bacon over here. <laughs> he's cooking sausage. It smells like bacon. That is yeah. a sausage, Joe. Mm-hmm. I mean, my tummy's rumbling now. But, yeah, maybe uh, what, what was that, you know, kind of how did that unfold? and Where did that start? And I guess Gary's the oldest. So. Yeah, I, th-
1: I think, uh, you know, my mom and dad, they, my dad was a risk taker. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he did everything growing up. Uh, he was a drove, had coal trucks. He farmed. He raised hogs. He, you know, had a grocery store, liquor store. He just there was always something he was doing, trying something new. And you know, he had six kids, and and just was always, always taking risks. Yeah. Didn't didn't uh, wouldn't worried about taking chances. He just and then if anybody ever needed to borrow money, you know, that I you'd always see him knocking at Dad's door and. Back then, he didn't have a lot, and he'd always be willing to, he always told me, he said, if you ever want to get rid of anybody, not see anybody anymore, just loan some money, you'll never, never see them again. <laughs> so, I remember you telling so that. I, th- I think we learned that from our dad as far as taking risk, yeah. and uh, so that didn't bother us too much because that's how we were raised, and so that's what we did. We started doing this construction, and it just kept growing, and uh, it was hard because we spent a lot of time on the road, and and uh, when I first got married and got got home, I was down in Florida for about a month and had a baby at home. And they came down to see him, You know, I saw him one time. And my dad came down there, and man, I was singing the blues a little bit it was a Sunday evening. And he was sitting down there and came to visit me. I was sitting in the motel room, and I said, "Man, I don't know. I, you know, the money's great. I like that, but I don't, I don't know about being gone all the time." And, yeah. And he never looked at me. He just kept watching TV. He goes, "Yeah." Because everybody wants to go to heaven, but they don't want to die. That's right. So, anyways, I you know. stole that one from him. <laughs> so we we learned how what sacrifice means, and you know sometimes when you want to do good things, you got to sacrifice, and uh, that carried over into wrestling oh, for sure. a lot. So we uh, it's me and my brother Gary and Tim. Uh, we. Started the construction company. He uh, actually Gary and Tim started uh, building uh, cable. T- well, was one of my things. My dad did. It, yeah. He was, he was uh, working in the coal mines and had grocery stores. And a cable TV franchise popped up in our little hometown back in early early eighties. And and uh, what was it called back then? Is it was called Urban Cable TV. The, the one when it was that he got you, it? Yeah, it's a franchise. It's Urban Cable TV. And, my brother Gary was reading about cable, and it was just kind of a fledgling thing back then. It was just, you know, towns were starting to build cable TV systems. So anyways, uh, didn't know anything, and like I said, my dad, he didn't care to try anything. So he he took a uh, loan out, and we hired a consultant. And my brother Gary and Tim had just gotten uh, out of college, and so they... Uh, Dad started two aerial crews. Back then, we you know, most of the stuff was hung in the air, and we just learned as we went and made plenty of mistakes. But we were making them on our own. And and then uh, it was in the uh, early '80s. That's when Jimmy Carter was in a, in uh, our president, and interest rates went up to shoot 18, 20 percent. Yeah. Dad couldn't hardly uh, afford to pay the uh, uh, interest. Sure. And so. You know, they. he just he was. That's what's great about living in a small town. He couldn't pay his interest, and uh, anyways, he talked to the president of the bank. And Dad used to haul hay for this guy when he was a kid, and so he said, Joe, I can't, you, know, I, you know, I can't pay my interest payment right yeah. now. And so the president of the bank uh, helped pretty much co sign and helped him make a few payments. So that's that's what's great about small town. So, anyways, uh, my dad got out of the uh. He was done with it. He was able to sell that little cable system, and he went back to the grocery stores, and, and then uh, me, Gary, and Tim, we moved over in Illinois. and built a couple other little small cable systems, and then started doing construction, and kind of went from there. And I think the biggest thing that I loved about working with my brothers, we had been working our whole life together, and uh, I, I always loved being part of a team, so I, I enjoyed just being, uh, being part of that business with them as much as anything. For sure. Yeah.
0: What, what, uh, I mean, I mean, I think what's interesting too is is looking at it from, you know, you're telling the story, but I'm also looking at it through the world and, and our country and the technological developments that have happened in that time. And it's very clear that you guys have done a great job of changing and adapting as it goes. And um, tell me if I'm wrong on this, but it seems like Gary kind of is really smart about getting out front of technology and understanding what's coming and kind of briefing everybody else on, hey, this is how we think a lot of things are going to work and we got to move in this direction. Or.
1: Yeah, Gary, he's the, my older brother, and, and he's one of those guys. He's all-time reading and learning. And, and Tim and I were the ones that usually out in the fields you know, out on the job sites, pushing crews and on the road, and so it, it was a good, uh, it worked out well. And Gary was the one always kind of pushing us to take risk, and he just finished climbing uh, uh, Everest at 60 years old, so yeah. he's still taking the risk, oh, yeah. crazy, but. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, he still. That was his t-
0: second attempt, right? That
1: was his second. and first one, it was a horrible experience, you know, people, a lot of people died, mm-hmm. and you know, one of the, the uh, it was a really bad uh, experience for him, so he, I guess he didn't get enough of it and he was within four hundred feet of the summit so he uh, he had to give it another try, so at sixty he went back and he made it made it to the top, so that's kinda cool. four
0: hundred feet is one is one of those things where when you think about Everest like like oh you're so close. Yeah. Four hundred is so long way. Like, that's a long when you're climbing a mountain like that. Yeah. That's something else. Yeah, that's pretty wild and uh I mean, that's definitely some risk taking going on. Um, and, and just I know that you don't sometimes like to toot your own horn, but your guys' cable construction company has uh, offices in how many different states? Oh,
1: we're, we cover throughout about every state in the southeast all the way to the Midwest. We had offices in Texas, and I think we're up to about 800 employees now. So you guys are
0: working uh,
1: on a pretty big job down in Texas right now?
0: Around? Yeah, we're
1: doing Verizon work, and I think we have about 2,000 miles we're doing in Houston, and in Dallas,
0: Verizon. That's interesting. I always love hearing about things that I don't know much about Mm -hmm. that intrigue me. And uh, and then for some of the Missouri people, because I have a lot of people that listen out of Missouri, is uh, you guys built all the Google Fiber in Kansas City. So for all you people in Kansas City that listen to this, when you can download five Netflix shows at one time, you can thank (laughs) this guy right here. But, uh, thats I mean, that's a big undertaking to think about something, uh, I mean, when you're working with a company like Google that is one of, if not the most influential and large companies in the world maybe, Uh, and, you know, what's that like to work with a company that that, like literally 90% of the world when you say Google knows what you're talking about, and that's the world. like. from where we're at, over to the other side, where where you know things are much different, and still everyone around the world knows who Google is. So.
1: It was neat. It was different. It was different from other construction companies because they were uh, they're big on innovation, and so Good morning, we, you know, because of working for them, we came up with a lot of new processes and procedures, and and our company really changed and had a lot of growth during that time. I would feel, that's what I would feel like, is um,
0: I liken it to, um, I, don't, I, I would even say it's something like this right here, where we were, and I know that that sounds really vague, but I'm coming back around, I'll say, I'll make the point that I'm trying to make, but we stayed up last night watching those, the, the Khabib and Connor fight. That's crazy. And I was so amped up when I got back over to the house. I didn't go to sleep till about 2.15. I laid in bed by myself. Just, I couldn't sleep. I was so pumped up. And this morning, uh, actually, you know, last night, I said, hey, let's record in the morning. I'll get up early and come over at 6.30 in the morning. And as that fight went on in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, why did I tell them that I'd do that? But I know why I did. The same reason that you would want to commit to work with a company like Google is like, I know it's not something that's going to be comfortable, but I know it's going to be really good. It's going to be a lot of work, and it's going to be some things that maybe are not enjoyable about mm-hmm. it, but at the end of that, I'm going to be glad that I did it, and I think that's what a lot of wrestling is, and we keep coming back to that because we're talking about wrestling, but um, you know, making those choices, I think, that are sometimes not the most comfortable, but knowing how much you're going to benefit by going through that experience. and. Maybe teaming up with somebody that is a Google or even an individual, or finding somebody at practice that is way better than you, mm-hmm. but approaching it from the standpoint of, I'm gonna get pushed to my limits and I'm gonna have to come up with new things, but I need to be put on the fire. I need to be put, you know, feet to the fire to to, to make yeah. those decisions and innovate and come up with new ways of doing things and make myself better. I think
1: what happens, and it's a great thing, I always tell my kids and then I tell my wrestlers is, you always got to look at things to make you step out of your comfort zone and I said when you step out of that circle of your comfort zone that's when you have growth and you grow as a person and, and so we're
0: always looking to do that that's my assistant coach uh Jesse he um is always saying to the kids uh remember no no real growth happens uh no real growth happens inside the comfort zone mm-hmm. and that's that's so true I mean it's just like any kind of adaptation in the natural world is you force forced to the problem and either you figure it out or you don't. And if you're not willing to figure it out, then it's not going to be pretty. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to figure it out, you're usually better for it in the long run. And uh, learning how to learn and learning how to problem solve. And I think the only way you do that is to put yourself in knowingly precarious situations. You know, not to where you're endangering yourself, but where you know that it's not going to be comfortable. And there's a chance that you could fail, and you take that risk, and you're going to have to rise to the occasion, or it's not going to be a good thing.
1: Yeah, and it causes stress, too, and that sometimes little stress is good. Yes, you got to have some
0: stress. Yeah. Uh, We did, uh, I'll go on more about that. I talked about that last episode, we're not going to get into that one. But uh, that, uh, I, I, uh, I don't know, you got any more good stories you want to hit on? You got some good SIUE stories back in the day. Yeah. You wrestled at SIUE. Your older brother Tim wrestled at SIUE. Um, and Gary wrestled at Central Missouri um, with Mayab and Haggerty. Mm-hmm. those guys. So that's how that kind of connection happened. Um, I, I, what What uh, What's some good stories you got from any of, any of those guys or any guys that we know from back in college, big-time guys? I don't know. I think... Uh... <clears throat> It, it, you know the SIU wrestling
1: was a pretty neat uh, phenomenon because really Coach Kristoff, you know, he was a, a Olympian. Uh, and he was a runner, silver bronze medalist, mm-hmm. but he was you know had a great international career. He was from Southern Illinois, and he had a was a Division II program, and you know, he, some of the guys that we got on our team were guys that uh, you know Alan Grammer was a third and fourth place finisher in Division One, local time national champ. And he's working at Kmart in Evansville, Indiana. And we picked him at, up at a, at a Job Corps tournament over here in our county. Yeah. He, he just showed up to wrestle in the tournament. Thought he'd get, get a little workout in. And uh, and turned out to be a phenomenal wrestler and a very successful businessman. But uh, had a lot of people on the team like that. And, uh, I think they had a they won three straight Division Two uh, national championships, and then they had just a lot of Division One All-Americans. And uh, Al Sears has the national pin record. Uh, you know, he's a phenomenal heavyweight, and he's just somebody from up in, in, in Central Illinois. And yeah. he had a lot of great wrestlers.
0: That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. I got a good story that I, I want. I think about a lot when I think about you guys. As well, is uh, when when Caleb, um, your son, that wrestled at University of Illinois, he was uh, what year was that? Two thousand and thirteen or fourteen? Uh, he big graduated two thousand eleven. So
1: it's probably twelve or thirteen. Yeah.
0: 13, yeah, probably 2013. 2013 uh, yeah. Fresh Big 10 freshman of the year from University mm-hmm. of Illinois. Um, was doing big things. Just kind of cut short with some injuries. But... Over here. <coughs> so, uh, one of the stories, though, that I think of is... Um, it was Ben's wedding weekend. And I was living here... But I left town to go to Ben's wedding, and I think you guys were supposed to go to Ben's wedding, but you didn't uh, for whatever reason—a conflict or something. I think something came up at the last minute. And uh, but I went to Ben Ben's wedding uh, in Kansas City and had a good time all night, and had a blast at the wedding. Um, ben gave away free disc golf putters as uh, the the wedding favor, so I still got my Ben Askren with his face with Amy's face on there for for the putter and. That kind of reminds me of that whole weekend um, but I, I had this, this uh, what happened was we, we stayed out late, obviously it was a wedding, we were having a good time, and uh, the next morning I woke up and my phone was dead and I kind of was getting myself back together and plugging my phone in and charging it up and first thing that pops up is I got a voicemail and I listened to it. That was back when I listened to my voicemail so I don't do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> I listened to my voicemail and it was Caleb. And it was. It sounded something like uh, he goes, uh, uh, "Marcus, uh, I just want to let you know I'm gonna be all right." And I, you know, I'm immediately thinking the worst stuff. But I'm. It, it doesn't. The worst things that I'm imagining don't mesh with, with who, what I know and who I know Caleb is. You know. So I'm immediately thinking he had a car accident. He's in a ditch somewhere. and freaking hit the first number that he could find on his phone or something i don't know and uh but it turned out what happened well, i guess you want to tell that story about uh, him getting burned up there oh um, yeah uh, one thing in living out that here. was from my point of view how yeah. i and i did I, and then i should say that immediately after that i proceeded to call everyone down here that i knew mm-hmm. and no one would answer the phone so i spent an hour hour and a half probably just sitting on this eating breakfast at the hotel room just freaking out like i don't I have no idea what happened. like I got this voicemail. I don't know what it means. I don't, is he dead? Is he? What's happened? Like, I have no idea. And I was super stressed. And I finally got a hold of you, and then you kind of explained what everything what happened. But. Yeah.
1: So that's uh, one thing living out in the country with four wheelers and running wide open, and that's how we were raised, and that's what I let my you know, our kids do. You know, they they ride horses, they ride four wheelers, they shoot guns. But sometimes you get we got a lot of scars to prove it. Yeah. And Caleb was uh, he was working around a chicken coop burning some brush. Your
0: mobile chicken could huh? be Yeah. That was when you cleared it out, right? Yeah. It hadn't been used in a long time. So
1: what he was doing, he w- did the biggest mistake ever. He thought it'd be a good idea to throw a little gas on it and ended up catching on fire and burned all of his clothes off. And, and they life him to Louisville, Kentucky, and he was there for for a few weeks. So that was a, a rough
0: experience, and he has got the scars to prove it. I'd say so. Yeah. yeah, and I remember him. You know, that was that would have been. I guess Ben got married in I want to say April or late April. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrestled at Fargo that. Yeah, uh, that was a pretty impressive act. You know,
1: Caleb was always a tough, really tough mm-hmm. guy and and a hard worker. And he came back uh, from the uh, injury, and I think it wasn't. Two months later, we were at the Jeff Jordan camp, and they—it was the first time they ever uh, at Fargo they ever allowed somebody to wear a uh, compression long-sleeve shirt. We had to cut the sleeve out of one side because what would happen? He, the skin hadn't built back completely, uh, thick. Right. And we—we we went to the Jeff Jordan camp. It was the first thing we ever did. And anybody's ever been to the Jeff Jordan camp, it's—it's it's yeah. brutal. And so, first thing he did, his partners were. Uh, Bo and Zeke and and walked in their first night and you know they didn't care if he got burned up they didn't yeah. they didn't show him no yeah. mercy so you know he finished the night and and uh, they they were scrapping hard but his uh, long sleeve shirt was bloody where it, it had been scraped on skin off of his mm-hmm. arm but you know, he wrestled
0: the entire camp and that so shows you how tough the guy is yeah that's unbelievable and I know I was first hand witness to it because that was you know, once he decided that's what he wanted to do. I mean, you got a wrestling room out here. Yeah. I don't know how many days we spent that summer out there. Yeah. Just you, trying to get ready.
1: You, you, Marcus. You're one thing that you are. You're the best I've ever seen at finishing a great wrestler. And you, made, you brought Caleb from a really good high school wrestler to, you know, a nationally ranked wrestler. Uh, I appreciate it. And yeah. and he wouldn't. Have I, mean, done it I don't know that I'm either. agreeing
0: with you, but I'm accepting. Ah, I
1: agree. I've seen it. And I saw it with Trey Blackwell. I saw it with Brock. I saw it with you know, you know Bryce Sheffer and you know all the kids that were in our room. You brought them to another level.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Um, there's another one, and then you just mentioned Bryce. You know, and I don't want to get too much into it and, and get crazy about it, but uh, you know we lost a good one there um, earlier this year, and and uh, maybe just talk a little bit about what that means. Not, you know, not only maybe what he meant to the program and, and to you as a person, you know, but more maybe about the you know moving forward with your team and, and your kids that were you know especially solid best friends with him there. I mean, how many pictures are running around of those two hugging and hanging out? I got one that means a lot to me that is from uh, I believe Saul was in eighth grade and Bryce was a freshman, and we were riding the bus back from the state tournament, and I look over and they look like two little kittens curled up with them mom. They're just nestled together in the back of the bus. They're two, two little, you know, pipsqueak little boys that uh, just went up and beat up a bunch of men at the wrestling. At state tournament, is eighth grader and a freshman. And, uh, you know, but uh, how do you kind of, you know, talk to your kids and your, your team after losing somebody like that? You know? Well,
1: for
0: anybody that didn't know Bryce, Bryce was a,
1: great wrestler four-time state champ and those don't come around very often what do you, how do you win in middle school he won four four or five middle school state championships so he's won every championship he ever wrestled in any Kentucky one. they
0: don't separate like great like a middle school is is anybody that's not in high school eighth grade and below yes so if you're in fourth grade yeah. you're gonna wrestle eighth graders if there's any yourself that's right so he he was a
1: he was a great athlete, great wrestler, but he was a, he was a great young man. I mean, he, him and Saul were best friends. He lived at my house and a lot of times, you know, when his weight cutting and stuff like that, he sure. would stay here and uh, and I'd get all kinds of free work done because when I was s- seeding food plots, instead of putting my uh, seeder on the back of my foiler, I'd put Bryce and Saw out there with hand seeders and I'd ride around on the foiler with the bags and they'd seed it by hand. So that, that we, uh, during the early season, we, I'd have him cut weight by doing stuff like that. So got to uh, spend a lot of time with Bryce. And just he was a phenomenal young man. And, you know, you get those calls and you're, everybody's going to have them in their lives. And those phone calls that uh, just uh, will knock you to your knees. Bryce was at my house the night before yep. he passed away and ate breakfast with me. And, and the next night he was gone. So, uh, you know, those are uh, – as far as my team, that was uh, – that's, those things like that are um, i think are a big part of coaching is helping kids that nag, navigate through stuff like that yeah. cuz when you're young like that it's just harder to understand and mm-hmm. accept and, uh, and that's just part of it you know i've been through you know we had another wrestler die of an aneurysm and you know we you was know, just have year you know, down
0: here
1: so you have you have times like that so that's just part of life and you know, we miss Bryce a lot. You know, he was just such a phenomenal kid and a great wrestler. And and uh, but you know, you move on and
0: and you remember the good things. Absolutely, that's one of the things I talk a lot about with people is that um, I think that I'm pretty good at what I do, and I'll, very little of it has to do with me. It has more to do with circumstance and places I've <laughs> been and people I've been around that have influenced me, like you and you know wrestling for Brian Smith and, uh, you know, the Cross Brothers in my high school, Farmington, um, just great coaches that have done a great job teaching me how to do things. And I think that that falls right in line is, you know, if if you can look at anything positive about a situation like that is that I don't, I don't know, I'm sure there are some, but it's not very common that someone my age, you know, by 33, I've I've lost multiple wrestlers already um, and that's not good in any way but if there's anything good that's come of it is I I feel like I have a little more wisdom about me after going through things like that um a little more maturity that uh, helps helps kind of like you said helping the kids navigate through it because it's uh you can't help anybody get through something if you're falling apart too Mm -hmm. and uh and not that you don't have your times where you kind of acknowledge and break down and deal with it a little bit but um, knowing to, how to keep your composure and, and say the right things and not that there is the right thing to say even but you know just kind of help them like you said deal with it and navigate mm-hmm. that kind of terrible situation is uh, is something that I feel fortunate that I'm able to do now but I, I would definitely trade the ability to do it if I could have any of those back right now but yeah. that's a tough one it's a tough one and uh, it's hard to kind of talk about that I think and even deal with it um is difficult and when you talk about having to help other people deal with it it's, mm-hmm. that's a big burden to carry and I think that you've done that many many times and that's something that I also look up to a lot so well I say it's about time for breakfast so sounds good We'll yeah. do this again sometime it sounds great alright thanks Robert